Welcome in, football fans. It's your weekly NFL podcast from the full 10 yards. And today we're going to be talking running backs. Last week we talked about the signal callers. This week let's talk about the guy that they hand the ball off to in the backfield. We'll get into that in a bit of depth as we go through the course of the podcast. But let me first and foremost welcome in my couple of co-hosts for this evening. A couple of lads from the full 10 yard staff. So welcome in Alex, who was with us last week. Alex, how are you, my friend? I'm very well, thank you. Happy to uh, be back in the quiz. Try not to fail for a second week in a row. I'm sure you'll do wonderfully well, mate. I'm sure you'll be fine. But you are up against a man who knows a thing or two about statistics because he's very much into the fancy side of things, and that's James. How are you, matey? Been better, been worse, but glad to be here. Top man, top man. Great to have you both along. There is no off-season for us here at the full 10 yards, and there isn't in the NFL, is there? So let's get straight into it and get you caught up with the news. So as you can imagine, fairly quiet week news-wise. Obviously not a lot of transactions and that kind of stuff happening. There'll be a few cuts now as teams get set for free agency to open and there has been a few that have happened today, but nothing of any great significance. Um, So probably the big headline news that's come out this week is the reinstatement of Brown's defensive end, Miles Garrett who you will all remember was indefinitely suspended from the league following the November the 14th game with the Pittsburgh Steelers, where at the end of that game, for no apparent reason, certainly at the time, Miles Garrett swung the helmet of Mason Rudolph at said quarterback. Um, obviously, that kicked off a huge mass melee and multiple players were fined. And obviously, Garrett was the one that came out with the most severe of punishments. Um, he met with Roger Goodell last week and was reinstated this week. The reason it's probably made news, I don't think anyone's surprised, boys, that he's been reinstated. I think that was just par for the course. And we speculated at the time of the suspension that although it was listed as an indefinite suspension, that was probably more to do with the fact that at that particular point, there was the outside possibility of the Browns making a run towards the playoffs and the NFL probably just wanted to make sure that he was banned for the remainder of the season and obviously couldn't stipulate an exact number of games without knowing how many the Browns may or may not be involved in at the time. So I don't think the reinstatement's news necessarily, but obviously the accusations have come out once again following an interview on ESPN of a racial slur being used from Mason Rudolph. Must stress that that's obviously an allegation. It's since been denied. Um, but it's certainly not a great look for the league, is it, Alex, in terms of you know this coming out again? Um, you know, and ultimately, you know, it needs to be put to bed. These teams are going to go head to head twice come the regular season. There's always blood blood between the two franchises, but this certainly isn't going to be helping matters at all, is it? No, and I think it's really hard with any of these kind of he said he said arguments um, until we know exactly what happened. Um, you don't want to believe either side or particularly take sides without knowing the full picture. But yeah, in terms of the NFL, this is a difficult look, especially um, with the relatively recent history of protesting during the anthem, etc. There's obviously there's some racial tensions going on throughout the league um, and this just is not helping in kind of protecting that image for the league. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and James, I suppose just on that, in terms of it's not being a good look for the league, there is probably an easy solution here, isn't there? 
release the audio and let's find out one way or another. Now, there is obviously reports out there that there's no audio, but in a day and age that everybody seems to be mic'd up, that you know they can review anything and everything, does it just seem bizarre to you that on this particular play that this incident doesn't have any audio associated with it? Uh, being a bit tacky, there's always going to be storage issues and anything could be muffled. We've seen QB's helmets go dead before they're to come to the sidelines, so it's not a completely unbelievable argument that there is no audio, but you'd think in the modern day and age that, yeah, it would be available for us to listen retrospectively. Um, I mean, to be honest, the NFL releasing it now, you know, we're far enough away from the Super Bowl that it's not going to be, you know, in the public consciousness for very long. So they've sort of done this early to get it out of the way so that come free agency, no one's really talking about it again. So it's probably a little bit of a smart piece of timing, I think, just because, you know, podcasts like this now are pretty much the only airtime it's going to get. So they're sort of quietly going to forget about it, say, forgive, forget, and carry on. Yeah, be interesting. I'm sure it won't be forgotten if it's Brown Steelers week one. You can just imagine the atmosphere <laughs> that'll be ramped up. Um, obviously, like I said, there's always been blood, blood between the two franchises. Um, you know, obviously, as a Browns fan, and I said this at the time, you, you would like to think that something sparked that reaction. Um, you know, very strange for that reaction just to have come from the hustle and bustle of a regular NFL play. Um, however, you know, like you say, I'm, I'm certainly not um, throwing anybody under the bus. I've got no, if, if the NFL have got no evidence, I've certainly got no evidence. So I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus on this one. Um, I just hope that it does, you know, reach a conclusion. There's the talk of, of lawsuits being filed and all the rest of it. And, you know, that really would just look ugly and, and probably drag on for an awfully long time. So fingers crossed it does, um, you know, like you said, James, sort of almost get forgotten about over the course of the next few weeks right boys that's a defensive end we've talked about like i said this is a running back podcast so let's move straight into second down and start talking about those ball carriers second down. so enjoyed last week's pod we talked about signal callers and we talked about a number of guys that have been essentially stables of the NFL for a number of years and almost feels like a bit of a changing of the guard. When it comes to the running back position, it almost feels as though that guard changes on a much more frequent basis than it does any other position on the field. Not an awful lot of love when it comes to the contracts in general terms. The guys that do get paid, there's often a sense of regret once they have been paid. Um, and often it's said that you can pick these guys up on day two or certainly day three of the NFL draft. So why would you spend high on them? I'm a massive running back fan, first and foremost, fellas. I have to preclude this conversation with that. Um, you know, I, I think the guys deserve all of the love that they you know, don't get, if I'm being honest. But we're going to talk about a couple in particular. And... James, let's start with yourself, mate. Just in terms of a guy that is coming into a free agency period and looking for a new contract, and he's done it absolutely at the right time in terms of his production, I'm talking about Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans, who obviously exploded in the back end of the regular season and essentially carried the Titans through the playoff run that they went on. He's talked about wanting money in the realms that Ezekiel Elliott earned in the last off-season from the Dallas Cowboys. 
do you think he gets it? Do you think he goes elsewhere? You know, what, what's your sort of outlook on Derrick Henry? I think he gets it. I think he stays in Tennessee, to be honest. Um, there's a change in quarterback made a massive difference for the Titans when you look at it. Bringing in Ryan Tannehill and benching Marcus Mariota was probably one of the smartest things the Titans have done in the last few years. Um, but it seems to just completely unlock Derrick Henry into basically becoming the bell cow running back that we thought he was going to be while he was still the backup under, uh, was it Marco Murray? Yeah. Um, so it's nice that he's finally had two 1,000-yard seasons in a row and the potential that was sort of being hyped up in 2016 is finally you know, coming to fruition. Um, I mean, an Ezekiel Elliott-level contract is is speaking a lot, but he's proven in the last two years he's got that kind of temperament. Although I'd be conscious he is coming into his age 26 season. So running backs do start dropping off around the 27, 28 mark. So if he's looking for a multi-year deal, it's going to have to be structured very carefully. But I think the Titans, they have got a few players that they need to tie up quite soon in this season. So it's going to be a bit of a juggling act. You may see someone on the defensive side end up being a bit of a casualty to fit Henry in, but I think he is essentially the centrepiece of their franchise, so they can't afford to lose him. Yeah, and Alex, that was the point that I was probably just going to come on to. Do you think it helps Derrick Henry here that he has been such a focal point of that offence? You know, we're talking about a guy that not only carries the ball with such regularity, he's also been involved out of the backfield. You know, I think at one stage, was he not sort of responsible for almost like 80% of all the offensive production for the Titans through a sort of three or four week stretch? That's surely got to help him with these contract negotiations, hasn't it? Yeah, of course. You know, the sooner that you can provide proof that you're a focus point for offense or defense, you're straight away getting into that, those big money elements. I mean, Mike Rabel, when he came in, they were always going to run the ball, especially knowing they had the potential that Derek Danny had. Obviously, he's really starting to show that in that stint towards the end of last season. But yeah, I think it honestly could not have come at any better time than it did uh, this year for him. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So James says he thinks he's going to stay. What about yourself, Alex? Do you think he stays at Tennessee? Yeah, he's so much of their uh, identity these days that I, I absolutely think he stays in there, Tennessee. Okay, let's play devil's advocate, boys. I'm going to put you both on the spot here. Let, let's assume, for whatever reason, he doesn't get the contract that he's looking for. Do you think he plays holdout, or do you think that another team comes in and snaps him up pretty quickly? I've got a feeling he has a little bit of loyalty towards the Titans, and that he'd rather hold out than choose an off, you know, a new scheme and learn everything from the back. So I go more towards the holdout side. But you know, is there a team? Well, we'll probably get onto it later. Is there a team with a glaring running back need where Derek Henry is the answer, and he knows he would be the answer? We'll see. And Alex? Um, I actually don't think he holds out. I think he's seen, as we'll probably get on to later, a couple of semi-unsuccessful holdouts in, in recent years. Um, and I think he's got to be wary of that, as, as I'm sure all the running backs are. Um, but also, I think he's so versatile. He can play in the cold weather uh, at Foxborough if he wanted to do that. He can, you know, he can suit any sort of condition. So I think he's got a widespread of use across the league. So I think he'll probably go somewhere else if they weren't to offer him a contract. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how that one plays out. Like you say, he's after a big number. Um, 
be interesting if there is any loyalty there. It's almost a forgotten word, isn't it, in sport these days with the agents getting involved and all the rest of it. Um, but you mentioned there, Alex, there's been a few backs in recent years that have, have gambled on themselves and have held out. You've had Le'Veon Bell, who was he or wasn't he successful? He, he kind of made a lot of money. Did he make as much money as he probably thought he was going to? You'd argue probably not. And he's ended up on, you know, a Jets team that are in rebuild mode. And there's talk that, you know, they might want to move on from him after just one season. And it probably brings us on nicely to one of the other prominent guys in this free agency period. And that's Melvin Gordon from the Chargers, who had his own holdout um, throughout the beginning of this, well, the previous season. Um, And James, I think it's fair to say that that didn't necessarily play out the way that Melvin Gordon would have wanted it to. It didn't. Um, I mean, I'm trying to remember. Did um, who was the backup again? I say backup loosely. Austin Eckler. Did he? Didn't he actually outperform Melvin Gordon for most of this season? I think that's fair. And I think even once the holdout had finished, I think Austin Eckler was probably outperforming on a week-to-week basis. Um, I certainly know. You know, Lee is um, you know a Chargers fan, part of a full ten yards team. Um, and, you know, he's very high on Austin Eckler. And, and obviously one thing that, um, you know, Gordon coming back did was obviously limit the number of touches that Eckler got. So, you know, I certainly think there was, there's an absolute argument to be made that Eckler was the, the better performer out of the two. And he was probably restricted, obviously, by having to split the usage once once Gordon did come back. Yeah, I think Eckler's almost got the better skill set. Um, I mean, the two were nearly tied in terms of rushing yards this season. Well, they were within... Five, about 50 yards of each other. Um, Melvin Gordon, I remember a few years back um, when he was sort of, sort of becoming fantasy prominent that um, there was talk about um, a sort of nagging knee injury that um, was essentially a bit of a red flag, do not draft him. And then he went and exploded for two seasons. And I'm starting to wonder whether Father Time is actually caught up with him quite early. Um, because obviously he seems he's been he only played twelve games this season. Played twelve games the previous season. Home played sixteen the year before. Um, so he's coming. I think he's coming into his age twenty seven season now as well. So the decline only gets worse from here on in, really. So he either needs to hope that he has a fresh start and just the you know enthusiasm of a brand new offense sparks him into life, or he's going to become a bit of a. I probably would use DeMarco Murray as a slight example or even, well, I can't say LeSean McCoy, but um, where he moves to a new team, everyone thinks he's going to be the star, but just the star diminishes. Yeah, he's certainly a player that, that sort of backed himself and I don't think he's necessarily worked out. So, uh, Alex, you brought sort of brought this up when we were talking about Derrick Henry and the fact that, um, you know, you could potentially see him holding out. I mean, obviously, it's not worked out for Gordon here. What do you see his likely moves being? Um, you know, is he going to take a sort of one-year prove-it deal somewhere, potentially re-establish his market value? Um, but obviously, that puts another 12 months of tread on the tyre, so to speak, in a position that we've just talked about there almost devalues very rapidly with age or does he just take as much as he can on the open market now regardless of whether that's you know the ideal fit and opportunity that he was originally envisaging him for himself um i think to be honest with you a kind of one year prove it deal does make an element of sense when you're talking about having gordon obviously um we were talking briefly there about austin eckler's um kind of impact on on this offense um the one-two punch of eckler and uh, uh gordon has been very very good um, and we've seen 
some teams make mistakes like the Saints. I would consider it a mistake to move on from Ingram. Um, and Kamara isn't able to do the same things he was able to do as a pair. So I think it's quite important for Melvin Gordon to go away, maybe find a team where he becomes you know, the leading back without question again. And he can just reprove to everyone that he's able to stand up, as we were talking earlier, to the rigours of kind of getting on with his career and the injuries that can come with that. Yeah, do you have a franchise in mind that that potentially, you know, sort of fits the bill in terms of Melvin Gordon? I mean, you know, the obvious one that springs out to me in terms of a team that's, you know, desperate for a running game would probably be somebody like Tampa Bay. Um, could you see them pulling the trigger or would you see a different franchise? Uh, no, I, th- I actually think, obviously, depending on what they do on quarterbacks um, in this offseason, I think Tampa Bay makes a lot of sense. And I think um, whatever happens, Bruce Arians is a, is a good play caller, he's a good play designer. And he, he does very well at getting the best out of people. And I think that would be a pretty good fit for a one-year, let's prove what I can do deal, yeah. Yeah, like you say, he's the kind of coach that, that sort of gets the best out of players at the back end of the careers as well, isn't he? So it certainly does make a lot of sense. Let's talk about a guy that did get paid. He got paid a couple of off-seasons ago um, and obviously was a massive part of the LA Rams offense. I'm, of course, talking about Todd Gurley. Um, but in the Super Bowl run of a couple of seasons back, there were obviously rumblings of injury and dodgy knees. And did he ever really recover from that? You know, last season, certainly a down season. He's certainly not producing anywhere near the level of his contract. And James, you know, certainly from a fantasy perspective, this would have been a guy drafted number one overall a couple of years ago. He's probably a bit of an afterthought from a fantasy perspective, but more importantly for the Rams, you know, they've got an awful lot of money invested in this guy. You know, can Todd Gurley turn it around in his third year now of that big contract? Well, the start of this season, so the start of 2019, he was still the headline, but it was, how bad is the injury? Is he going to miss the start of the season? Is he still going to be, you know, how relevant is he going to be? What time is he going to come back? There was all sorts of questions about his health and whether he was going to be able to be, you know, a good, a good running back for them. He ended up playing 15 games, which, I mean, to be fair, I was surprised when I saw that stat as well. But he's not got what he had, sort of 2017, 2018. And to be fair, 2017, everyone had written him off and said, yeah, he's not going to make it. He's only going to be, you know, an 800, 900 yard running back. And he's, you know, the Rams may already be, have to think about an heir apparent. And then suddenly... You know, after no one believed, boom, there he was. And suddenly, as soon as everyone started believing in the hype, it just went back the other way again. So um, he's either an absolutely perfect advocate for reverse psychology or he is falling down the hill rapidly. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like I say, he, he hasn't really done his, his sort of fellow running backs any um, favours here, has he? You know, he's got a massive contract. We've talked about the fact that the injuries start to pile up and, and all of a sudden the production disappears. Do you see Alex a, a sort of bounce back on the horizon or do you think that, you know, the Rams will try their best to, to cut ties? I think it's going to be incredibly difficult to move him with that contract. I can't see any takers at that price, certainly. And he's obviously going to be very expensive for the Rams just to drop on the street. So what, what do you see as the options with regards to Todd Gurley? I mean, for the reasons you just outlined, I, I can't imagine them moving on um, this year. I think in terms of will he have a kind of bounce back season, there's a couple of statistics that when you look at him over the course of his career that, that might worry you. A, the, he's having a lot less long runs than he ever has been before, especially last season. Long run of just 25 yards in the season. That's a bit concerning with all the worries about injury, is he losing that, that breakaway speed? And also the amount of touches he's had through his career 
it was mentioned early when those contract negotiations were going on, but he's getting a lot of touch the ball. And as we've already mentioned, is that putting too much tread on the tyres? I think it's possible that uh, he fails to have a great bounce-back season. And then we're having a very similar discussion this time next year. Yeah, now certainly be one to look out for. He's obviously one of the sort of marquee names in the league, certainly from an NFL marketing perspective. They'll be hoping Gurley gets back up and running as he's proved that he can do in the past. Let's just have a quick whiz through a couple of other guys then, fellas. Um, and I've mentioned one already, Le'Veon Bell. Um, obviously, you know, backed himself, took a whole year out of the league, got himself a fairly decent contract with the New York Jets. I think it's probably fair to say he could have probably had a similar contract with the Steelers if he'd have just played the year previously. And he would certainly, you would argue, be in a better situation. Um, do you think the Jets find a trading partner for Lev Bell? I think you know, similar to what I've just said there, isn't it, James, about the situation with Gurley? I can't just see them cutting him. But you know, again, I can't honestly really see anybody at that price biting either, can you? And quite literally in the same boat. Um, he's... He's, I mean, he's not quite an Antonio Brown level enigma, but he's certainly um, a character, shall we say. And the holdout season, it was it was one of those gambled and lost situations. As we say, he's almost a parallel to Gurley, really. Uh, I mean, I understood his point at the time, saying that, you know, I'm being used as a pass-catching running back and a running back. I'm taking more toil. I should be paid as well as the wide receivers. It's just that the owners didn't bite on that wordplay, which is the way the NFL is and um, essentially he's made a stand he's failed but um, essentially when he come tell between the legs to come back to a team the Jets were the only team that offered anything I think it was in the end and um, even then it sounds like Adam Gaze didn't want him so it looks very much like uh, the Jets would want to move on but won't find anyone to dance with yeah, no, absolutely. Um, another guy that um, has been, you know, a bit of a um, star in the offence um, for his respective side, Devonta Freeman. Alex, um, you know, being the lead back in the Atlanta Falcons backfield, used to sort of split time with Tevin Coleman. Obviously, Coleman moved on to the 49ers. Freeman being the lead carrier. Um, again, probably not had the season that he would have hoped for and certainly big rumours coming out, although no official move made. It looks very likely that the Falcons will be moving on from Freeman. Yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I think we did expect him to really step up once he stopped sharing, splitting time quite as much as he was doing when they went all the way and, and lost the Patriots in the Super Bowl. But I think um, it's going to be important for him to, yeah, maybe take that one year deal we were talking about earlier, really prove himself again. Um, the Falcons' offense this year struggled for a couple of reasons at one point in time this season. Dan Quinn's name seemingly on the on the hot seat. So there's been some issues, issues there that might be out of his control. But yeah, I, I think he'd be a character that might be looking for a, a one-year deal and see what he can do. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Um, just in terms then, fellas, of teams that need a running back, um, you know, we, we've just talked there, haven't we, about the a number of teams almost wanting to move on from, from guys that have, you know, got good CVs. Um, but obviously the cost is, is sort of getting up there. If we look at teams that need a running back, James, you know, is there anybody that sort of really jumps out? I mean, I mentioned Tampa Bay earlier. Um, I think the other one that, that obviously jumps off the page, where they've got a lot of holes everywhere, really, is probably the Miami Dolphins. Um, are there any other teams that you think, you know, really need to get themselves a running back um, secured, either through the draft or through free agency in this off-season? Um, let's say the... 
I agree with the main two protagonists being Miami and Tampa Bay. Another one I'm going to chuck into the mix, the Texans. I know that... Um, oh, why have I managed to forget his name all of a sudden? Quarterback. Deshaun Watson does most of the running himself. Um, but Lamar Miller missed most of the season... Well, all the seasons for injury, and his contract's up. Carlos Hyde was only on a deal to the end of the season, and Deonta Foreman... Uh, looks like he's a bit of a fragile character as well by the sounds of things. So they've got a decision as to whether they bring back Carlos Hyde or whether they look to the draft to potentially bolster in the later rounds. So that would be one of uh, my potential options. Everywhere else, it looks like it's going to be it's reliant on someone dropping out in order for someone to come in. So, this, I mean, there's a few candidates in that role. I mean, Buffalo. I've got Devin Singletary now, but he might need at least some backup help. But Singletary looks like he's studied that shit. I had one more looking down my list, and I can't remember where it was. So it probably doesn't matter. <laughs> that's, that, uh, to be fair, Atlanta's the big one if we if Freeman does go. Yeah, no, absolutely. Anyway, like you say, Freeman will leave a hole there. Um, Alex, let's see if you can help James out. Is there any on your list that uh, that we haven't mentioned there? Yeah, I think there's some particularly interesting candidates, um, I think, in both the Jaguars and I think in the Redskins as well. Obviously, both of them, um, the Redskins are going to have to discuss whether they want to bring Adrian Peterson back into the fold um, or whether that was his final season. And then, obviously, they've got Darius Geis, but there's some serious injury concerns. When he's on the field, he looks like he's got the ability to go and be dominant, but he can't stay on long enough. And I think even the Jaguars and Leonard Fournette, I think there's still some questions to be asked there. Um, He's a fairly one-dimensional runner he's very downhill doesn't like too he's not too much of a receiver so there could be some dips in the draft for, for running backs in both of those places i might yeah. chuck one more name in if that's all right of course mate far away so one place where i've been hearing so more in the fantasy realms but one place where people have been sniffing as to could there be a running back change is detroit because carry on johnson hasn't set the world alight like people were expecting after his few cameos in the previous two seasons and he's you know we he fancy was all hyped up you know second third round pick in most fantasy drafts and just didn't deliver on investment and he's someone who i imagine he will get this year but the lions may have an eye towards the future if they don't think he's going to be the solution i mean how many running backs did the lions use last year because of people keeping on going down. They, I think they had about five different starters throughout the season. Yeah, now certainly, like you say, he's not um, set the world alight, has he? Certainly not nailed the job down by any stretch of the imagination. Just a couple of names that I would throw in there, boys, that we haven't discussed so far. I think Pittsburgh, potentially, um, could be an interesting one. James Connor certainly struggled with injury in his sort of second main season, if you like, obviously took over from Lev Bell. Um you know, James Connor, you know, still young. He's obviously got youth on his side, but he certainly probably disappointed in his, his sort of second season. So it'll be interesting, certainly from a depth perspective, if nothing else, um, to see the Steelers add some um, somebody potentially through the draft in terms of a late-day pick. And I'd probably say the same as well for the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, when you've just won the Super Bowl, there's not an awful lot of holes. And I think Damian Williams has proven that he's capable of handling lead-back 
responsibilities. But again, just from a depth perspective, I think you've, you've got to imagine that LaShawn McCoy is not going to be back, is he? Um, he was obviously a healthy scratch down the stretch. Um, so you would like to think that there's probably room to bring in another young back in KC. Um, it will be interesting. Most of the mock drafts that I've seen don't have any running backs going high um, this year. Um, there's certainly no Saquon Barkley-type um, talent being discussed. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the market does play when it eventually does open up and whether some of these guys that we've talked about actually do get big money. Um, you've got to think in the next couple of years down the line, you know, Christian McCaffrey's going to come round sooner rather than later. Um, that will be a really interesting one based on the Lev Bell comments of I'll catch plenty of balls as well as run the ball. Um, if Christian McCaffrey can't convince people that that's what he does, then nobody's got a chance, have they? So that will be an interesting to watch as it develops. Right, boys, let's put the crystal ball away. Have you remembered your NFL rushing stats from the 2019 season? Let's find out. Let's move in to the full 10 questions for third down. Okay, so we brought it back last week, the full 10 questions. Obviously, a regular slot on the podcast throughout the season. Um, But we are going to test the boys' knowledge of the 2019 season when it comes to running backs. So, before we start, fellas, I suppose it'd be unfair of me not to ask how you're feeling. Alex, obviously, experience from last week. You feeling more confident this week? Oh, a little bit. A little bit more confident. I have a slight idea about what's going to... uh what's going to face me this week so I've got I feel like I've got a little bit of an edge over last week <laughs> and James obviously your um, first stab in this format I know you've obviously done the quiz previously on the podcast so uh, nervous or anticipating a victory I should be confident I mean I think I was second overall when I did come on the show before I was part of the team and I got the Gardner Minshew question right last week so I should be more confident than I feel, but uh, to be honest, 2019 feels like a decade ago, if not a year ago. <laughs> yeah, certainly a lot does happen in a short space of time. Right, boys, let's get into it then. Play along at home, pens and papers at the ready. Let's start with question one. Name either running back that scored 16 rushing touchdowns last season. Nice one to start you off, boys. Two possible correct answers. Name either running back that scored 16 rushing touchdowns. Both got an answer? Yeah. Yeah. Right, Alex? Uh, Derek Henry. And James? Aaron Jones. There you go. Both correct fellas and took one of the two options each. Very, very good indeed. Yep. Derrick Henry for Tennessee. Aaron Jones for Green Bay. Aaron Jones is a back we didn't actually talk about, fellas, during the last down. He had a, a nice season, didn't he? Do you think he um, has got a chance of, of sort of repeating that level of production and becoming a bit of a key centrepiece in that offence, James? Definitely. I mean, Aaron Rodgers still has it, but um, he's been backed up by the other Aaron quite a bit for sort of the last season and a bit. And I can see Aaron Jones sort of going from strength to strength now that Green Bay finally seem to have decided that he is worth being sort of a number one, having had many years of sort of having a one and one equal, which just wasn't really working for them. Bit of a fun fact, he is going on the American version of Family Fortunes, the celebrity edition in the coming weeks. <laughs> oh, excellent. We'll keep our eyes peeled for that one then. Right, back to the quiz, boys. Number two. 
which running back had the longest rush of the season? I will give you a clue. It went for 91 yards. Got a guess. Okay, James, let's hear your guess. I'm going to go Damian Williams. And Alex? Oof. Um, I'm going to double down. Derek Henry again, please. Ooh, try the double down. Doesn't work. It was Damian Williams. Good guess, James. Whew. Yeah, 91 yards. We often see Derrick Henry rumbling for those big touchdowns. We do. Runs, don't we we but, do. That's uh, what I was thinking of. Yeah, not quite 91 yards. I just remember. I just had a had a memory that it was the case that that was the turning point where people went, "Okay, he's going to be the starter throughout for the rest of the rest of the playoffs and the rest of the season." Really. Yeah, it was in the back end of the season, as you say. So, yeah. Good call. All right, number three. Um, which running back had the most fumbles on the season with seven? Okay, Alex? Um, give me a second somewhere. I've got a name in mind. I can't bring it to, can't bring it to myself right now. Give me two seconds. Is it just Google won't load quick enough, Alex? <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I, I really wish that I, I was using Google to help me along. Um, <laughs> oh, I really don't know. Um, no pressure, but I think I've got it. <laughs> no pressure. Um, oh, I really can't think of them. I'm just going to have to go out the box because I can't think of them I'm thinking of. I'm going to go Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley and James? He got maligned for it a few times. I'm hoping it was as many as seven. Chris Carson. It was indeed Chris Carson. Oof. Pressure on, Alex. 3-1 to James after the yeah, opening three questions. Right, let's see if we can get you back on track, mate. Question four. Which running back achieved the most first downs via the ground with 78? So, which running back achieved the most first downs via the ground with 78? James, come to you first for this one. Hmm. Now, this one, I haven't got anything to back it up with, but uh, I'm going to guess Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook of the Vikings and Alex? Christy McCaffrey. CMC both wrong, unfortunately, fellas. It is Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys with 78 of them. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten that. Question five. Which running back in the NFC had the highest yards per attempt with 5.6 per carry? So which NFC running back had the highest yards per attempt with 5.6 yards per carry? Carl, Alex, we need to get you back in the game. Have you got the right answer this time round? Oh, I don't think I have. Um, oh, it's a, a, bit, a bit of an outside-the-shot one. Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny. And James? With no degree of confidence, <coughs> Raheem Mostert. It is Raheem Mostert. James is just <laughs> a be much f- better guesser than Alex, is what I'm determining. Yeah, this is, so. uh... to, be f- to be fair, I thought Penny was a good shout. 
Yeah, Penny was a good shout. I'll try and uh, look up how many yards Penny did have. But yeah, Raheem Mostert, 5.6 yards per carry. Right then, Alex, I think we need to sweep the board. So let's see if we can get you on the scoreboard with question number six, which was the only team that had two running backs rush for five touchdowns each this season. So which was the only team that had two running backs rush for five touchdowns each this season? James, let's come to you first. <laughs> Still thinking. Um, I, the, I've got like three or four different teams in my head, so um, it's trying to plump for one. Uh, let's say San Francisco. San Fran, you guess he's worked well so far. Alex? I'm I'm at rock bottom confidence here. Um, so going to go Seahawks. Unfortunately, fellas, neither of you get this one. It was the New Orleans Saints. That was one of the ones I was thinking of, but you can understand it though with the Ingram Kamara combination. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, your your luck was going to run out at some point, mate. But um, yeah, like you say. Um, Kamara didn't really get going, did he, until the back end of the season. Um, but yeah, five touchdowns apiece for the duo in the New Orleans backfield. Question seven. Which player had the most rush attempts from either on or inside the opposition's five-yard line? So which player had the most rush attempts from either on or inside the opposition's five-yard line? Alex, let's come to you. Um, we have Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb and James. That was my second choice. So, but my first was Leonard Fournette. Again, a blank on the scoreboard, fellas. It was a man that we mentioned earlier on for one of the answers. It was Christian McCaffrey. I would have gone probably for Fournette as well there. He seemed to get the ball quite often down at the goal line, didn't he? Didn't punch it in all that often, but seemed to get plenty of opportunity. Yeah. Question eight. Which New England Patriots had one carry on the season for a grand total of five rushing yards? Which New England Patriots had one carry on the season netting five rushing yards? James, let's come to you first on this one. <laughs> Sneaky. I think it's Antonio Brown. AB84. And Alex? Oh, I think I've read... Maybe I've read an article that says the same thing. I was going to go over to Antonio Brown as well. It is indeed Antonio Brown. Well done, fellas. Little trick question. Then you Must both... be running in the same circles. That's it. You both nailed it. Well done indeed. Yeah, Antonio Brown, he's one game with the Patriots, saw him carry the ball once for five yards. Uh, question nine. Which NFC receiver had the league's worst rushing performance on the season with one rush for minus nine yards? So which NFC wide receiver had the league's worst rushing performance with one rush for minus nine yards? 
All right, Alex, let's come to you. Ooh, um, trying to think you might have taken too much of a risk and ended up going backwards. Um, I think we have to go outside the box. Randall Cobb is my selection. Randall Cobb, okay. And James? This, is this again, is one that I think I can dig out of my mind. It was someone who had a phenomenal season, but he should stick to being a receiver. I think it's Michael Thomas. It is indeed Michael Thomas. Nailed it again, James. Yeah, like you say, record-breaking reception season. Awful rushing season. But he's not paid to rush the ball, is he? So I'm sure that the Saints won't mind that too much. Right, fellas. I'm trying to put some tension in here, boys. But I think we know which way this one's going. So come on, Alex. Let's see if you can nail it. If you get this question on the nose, I will give you 10 bonus points. So, of course, you know what's coming. You know what's coming. Within a 1,000... Adding up the total from the top 10 rushers on the season, what would the total rushing yardage be? So the leading 10 rushers on the season, add them all together, and what would the rushing yardage be? So we'll give it you within a 1,000. But Alex, just to be fair, if you get it on the nose, I'll give you 10 bonus points and you'll effectively win the day. There's some tension, oh. boys. I, I appreciate the tension building. I'm sh- not sure I'm going to be able to deliver on it to the point, but we will give it a good go. <laughs> go on there, mate. Throw me out a number. I'm going to say 13,200. 13,200. And James? I'm going to go 12,000 on the nose. 12,000 on the nose. Well, boys, you both... Within a 1,000. One of you is slightly closer than the other. Alex, you are closer. But unfortunately, you're not quite close enough. It was 12,788. So both within a 1,000, boys. So you both get a point for that one. Um, But like I say, unfortunately, neither on the nose exactly. Right, scores on the doors. I've got it with... Seven for James and just three, I'm afraid, for Alex. So a comprehensive victory, James. Well done, my friend. Thank you very much. Sorry, Alex. That's okay. I might have to start. I might have to start stepping down from the uh, the Monday podcast if this continues. Though we're going to have to pick the form up at some point. <laughs> Heads up, Alex. Next week it's wide receivers. Get in your textbooks and start <laughs> swatting away now, my friend. Right. Let's move on then, boys, to fourth down, which of course is these days your down. So fourth down is now your down. We'll be putting out a vote each and every week for you to set the topic of conversation. And this week you wanted to know about what we do to fill our off-seasons. We'd be equally as interested to know what you do in your off-season. So hit us up on Twitter at Full 10 Yards. There isn't really an off-season in the NFL as we know. But boys, that's what we've been asked to talk about. So let's fill some airtime. James, let's come to yourself Obviously, you've got quite a strong interest in fantasy football, so I'm sure that there's plenty of stuff to keep you going. Um, Tell us about your off-season plans. So, yeah, in my sort of hype train capacity and my fantasy capacity, I have about eight or nine keepers each now. I used to to be terrible. I used to be like a sort of 50-game hoarder and just could not keep control. Um, I'm at a much more sensible eight dynasty games now, so I'll be sort of looking for trades that I can do to improve my team and, people who I think are going to drop off the cliff that I try and trade away and try and trade for people who 
may have, you know, their stock boosted around free agency or, you know, the draft will answer a few questions on, you know, position availability and who's going to be good at what. So a lot of my offseason will be sort of fantasy and dynasty based before getting into the old mock draft situation. So I'll be out there quite often. You know, I might try and see if I can get a few listeners together to go do a mock draft together. Be nice. Um, and then just as a bit of an aside, just to say that it, not everything is NFL for me. Um, as a bit of an ice hockey fan as well, so I'm an NHL fan. So I've got the Stanley Cup finals to look forward to. And then the World Championships are happening in Switzerland. And I'm lucky enough to be going to two Team GB games in Lausanne and one Team Canada game as well while I'm over there for a week. So really excited for that as well. So yeah, that's the majority of my off-season anyway. No, excellent, mate. I'm, I've, got to, I've got to confess, I'm not into ice hockey at all. Um, I find it very difficult to watch on the TV. I, I, I find it difficult to keep up with with the puck, if I'm being honest. But um, give us the load then. Team GB, any chance to come to the World Championships? No. Um, <laughs> the what, I, be... what I expected? <laughs> <laughs> well, put, put it this way. we Last year was something of a hero situation where we came in, we were expected to be relegated. We were the bottom-ranked team by a mile. And it's one of those competitions where basically the bottom two in each division tend to lose all the time. And when they play each other, the winner stays up, the loser goes down. We happened to beat France last year in overtime to seal our safety. So this time, I can't remember, It's I think it may be someone like Belarus or Denmark that we have to beat. So, and I'm going to watch the GBV Denmark game. So... Fingers crossed, that's the one that keeps us up once more. But we're never going to keep up with the powerhouses like Canada and the USA. But who knows? I'm, I'm hoping that I go over and see a miracle. No, it'll be good, mate. I've got a couple of friends who are actually into the sort of British ice hockey scene. So, um, like I say, fingers crossed that Team GB can do themselves proud. Um, and like yeah. you say, you know, obviously, you know, any good performance will obviously improve funding and all the rest of it. So that's the only way these things are likely to get better, isn't it? Alex, let's move yeah. to yourself, mate. What's your um, off season looking like? Well, I mean, we've just we've been blessed with sport this uh, this year, really. It should be a the off season should go past pretty quick. Obviously, we've got the build up to the draft, which which I'm actually a big fan of. I love all the hype. I love all the the trying to find new reasons to pretend someone's going to to a certain franchise. I enjoy that. Um, and then obviously we jump into a summer of Olympics and the uh, Euros. So uh, yeah, hoping to see a bit of a. English sport uh, over the summer while the NFL is taking a little break. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I'm obviously a bit more into my football. I don't need to ask you if England have got any chance because I already know the answer to that question. Um, Anything you're looking out for, particularly in the Olympics? Obviously, you know, that's obviously once every four years, isn't it? And there's a lot of sports that sort of come and go. And curling's the one for me. Winter Olympics. I always love curling. I get into curling and then I'll sort of forget about it for the next four years. Is there any sports that sort of do that for you in terms of the Summer Olympics? Um, just, I think the the athletics, I know they're not, it's not exactly a, a sort, of, some sort of hidden event, but uh, the atmosphere just around around those events, 100 metres, etc. It's just, uh, I just, uh, I'd love to be there. It looks amazing. Yeah, no, I just hope that happens. With... Sorry. Yeah, I'm just hoping it happens with all the coronavirus stuff going around. There's, there's worries about it going forward. I mean, say, the, I like the field events, you know, same venue, different kind of action. But I also, for whatever reason, quite like the canoeing. The whitewater yeah. raft stuff looks fun. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? We get all these sort of novelty sports and we all of a sudden become experts for a fortnight, don't we? And, you know, start <laughs> I'll screaming. not go that far. 
Oh, come on. You'll be screaming at your TV. Why didn't he do this? And why didn't he do the other? We'll all become experts for that fortnight, mate. That's, That's just we'll... like when I watch NFL. <laughs> well, at least we like to think we've some sort of expertise when it comes to NFL. Um, Speak for yourself. Well, yeah, we'll try. We try. Um, in terms of off-season for me, um, I'll use this as a shameless opportunity to plug the XFL, which is absolutely blowing up on our site over the last couple of weeks. Um, obviously, lots of content coming its way to you. With regards XFL, myself and Michael um, doing weekly podcast. Standard of play, in my opinion, has been has been decent. You know, yes, it's not NFL caliber, as I've st- as I've stipulated. It's not necessarily trying to be. This is an opportunity for thousands upon thousands of guys that that sort of don't get that opportunity to join a professional franchise in terms of the NFL ranks um, to sort of get to continue playing the sport that they love. Um, you know, it's been really really entertaining over the last couple of weeks, and certainly the crowds have been getting right behind it. The coverage has been excellent. Uh, let's, let's just hope that they can continue that momentum because surely having another 10 or 12 weeks of football has got to be a good thing, in my opinion. Um, so long may that continue. Um, I'm pretty much the same as you boys, though. It's it's sport in some capacity or another. We've obviously got the, uh, the conclusion of the football season and, like you say, plenty to look forward to in the summer, providing the Olympics does go ahead. Like I said, it'll be interesting to hear what all of you guys get up to, though, in the off-season. Um, let us know anything weird and wonderful in particular. Hit us up on Twitter, and uh, we may well get some of those retweeted. Or if there's anything particularly amusing, we may well discuss it on next week's podcast. Well then, fellas, we best get out of here. The refs are coming in, so time for the two-minute warning. That's the two-minute warning. Just your regular quick update then on all things full 10 yards. Like I've just alluded to, keep your eyes peeled for XFL content. My review of week number two will be up in written format very shortly. Go and digest what we've taken away from the second week of action. And the Thursday podcast will be with you later on in the week where myself and Michael break it down and start to look ahead to week three. Um, Michael will also have some in-depth previews of the week three action later on in the week for you to digest also. In terms of the college podcast, Lee and Tim back together for part two of those teams at the top of the draft to see what they may or may not do as we get closer and closer to draft night. Um, Really enjoyed that last week from the boys. Um, So let's see what teams they're discussing this week. In terms of your NFL content, we are getting rapidly through the season in review articles. There are a few left and lined up. I think we've only got about four to five left now. They will be concluding with the Kansas City Chiefs, who obviously are the team everybody's looking to beat as we head into 2020 season. And last but not least, the code for NFL Europe shop still is good to get you 10% off. So check out and use full 10 in your basket. But more importantly, that sale has just gone up and now is as much as 50% off regular prices. So a real good opportunity to grab yourself some bargains. Right, fellas, we best get out of here because my voice is just about packing in for the evening. Absolute pleasure to have you both on. And with that being said, it's goodbye from James. See ya. It's goodbye from Alex. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. And in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's Baba for now. Baba. 
Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.